You're listening to Surly Talk Sport. Brought to you by Sky Sport now. Good. Welcome back. Surly Talk Sports ahead of another jam-packed episode full of all your weekend sporting chat and banter. And geez, what a week of sport it's been. Of course, treated to the Anzac footy on Tuesday night, so it doesn't seem like long between drinks. That's the best thing about it. Only one day of no code. You wake up on your Wednesday morning and you think one more sleep until the footy gets underway. Unfortunately, she was a famous Anzac Day robbery, but it is what it is. We'll touch on that shortly. We've also got the Fight for Life, the Super Rugby, the Formula One, the NBA. It truly is all going. Of course, shout out to our partners for this podcast, Sky Sport Now. If any of those sports I mentioned just before tickle your fancy, then Sky Sport Now is the place to watch them. And boy, do I have a deal for you. Head along, www.skysportnow.co.nz or download the app. Sign yourself up and use the code SURLY10 at checkout to get yourself 10% off the weekly, monthly or annual pass. That'll give you access to all of the Sky Sport channels plus your ESPN so you don't miss a moment and if you do never fear there's highlight packages galore to bring you back up to speed there's also sports documentaries and you can book your pay-per-views through this app as well so if you're going to watch the fight for life tonight I know I certainly will be rugby versus league biffs nothing gets me more fizz sky sport now that is the place to get around it. She's been a big week off field as well for me. I've been chewing ears off left, right and centre. Monday, Wednesday, filled in for the great Tammy Davis on George FM Breakfast Show. Then yesterday, jumped in on the co-host, SEN's podcast, Running It Straight with Tony Kemp. Got to speak to the legend himself, the great Matty Johns. Boy, was that a bucket list moment. And great to talk some God's game for them. Also managed to catch up with Monty Beatham this morning for this week's episode of the One Take Podcast. Just talking all things footy. We are at the quarter waypoint, so it was a bit of an assessment of how the Warriors and the competition is tracking and love talking code with Mons. Also managed to catch up with Justin Hodges and DJ Forbes ahead of those fights tonight. Boy is Hodges a big bloke and I tell you what, felt a bit nervous to tell him I was a New South Wales fan. He took it pretty well, told me to get out but it was all light-hearted banter. At least I certainly hope so. He looks like he's ready to do some damage tonight. But on this week's podcast, of course, going to cover your usuals, your rugby league, and we've got a special guest joining us in Blake Ashford, one of the greats, and we'll rip into some super rugby, and then the weekly wrap covering off your NBA, a little Fight for Life preview as well to help bring you up to speed with everything that's going on. Then we'll wrap her up with a bit of a Formula One chat, of course, going down in Azerbaijan this weekend. So without further ado, there's plenty to get through. So let's rip in. How good is a Friday? Joined now by one of the greats, Blake Ashford, to talk all things rugby league. And boy, just like always, there's so much to get through in the world of the great game. But let's kick things off with a game that I think is on everyone's lips. The Storm getting the dub on Tuesday night against the Warriors on a night where it's fair to say nothing went our way. Injuries, refs, everything that could possibly go wrong, it seemed like it did. So Blake, mate, now that the dust settled, I know you were pretty racked up at the time. The group chat was well and truly lit up. But what did you make of the game on Tuesday night in general? The the loss from the boys, it's, it seems like both their losses this year, like the Roosters and the Storm loss, has told me more about this team than any of their wins. Even the, like the Sharks was a good one, but I thought, oh, one off. You know, I was even... You know, I know you always a believer, but I'm still, you know, I've got um what is it, hands in many pots and many pies. Um, I, I like a lot of clubs, um, been to a lot of clubs, so you know, I can cheer and barrack for a lot. 
but I was still uncertain where the Warriors were going to go this year. Like we think about the teams they've played and they haven't really played the hardest teams yet. Like the Sharks, yes, um, but Cowboys aren't the same as we thought they were. So you could take them off. But to go into Anzac, the Anzac clash and such a big occasion, um, you know, the Storm always get the woodiness there. Um, even when it is close, they always, you know, somehow come away with the win. But just even leading that game, just the the ball playing, the um, cohesiveness of just that back line and the forwards to the backs, like it was just perfect, um, that start. And I was like a bit amped in the chat after because I really thought they deserved it. Mm. And to go down, you know, teams, teams I was a part of and teams of the Warriors in the past, you have no one on the bench. You have a player in the bin for 10 minutes. Um, you're getting 50, 60 point on, put on you, especially in Anzac Day. Um, they were superb last night. And for me, it has now given the tick of approval. I think they can match it with the best of the best. Obviously, the injuries are going to hurt, but, yeah. you know, I, I think they're, they're right up there and deserve to be where they are after last night. Lots has been made of the refereeing and we've kind of glossed over it already, but obviously there was kind of countless penalties, the Dylan Walker sin binning, that try, which I don't think was a try to Nick Meaney. Surely Remus Smith got a hand in there, but plain and simple, what what were your thoughts on the refereeing, bro? Because I often find myself, obviously, passionate Warriors fan. I can be a bit one-eyed, but general consensus seems to be everyone felt that we didn't get any rub of the green. Yeah, and, and look, you're going to get those games where you obviously feel like that, and obviously Warriors fans feel like that a lot more than uh, other other fans. Um, the ones I'm probably up in the air about are the ones that might go unnoticed. Like, I think it was a minute to go. Oh, it could have been 17 minutes to go, sorry. And the Warriors were trying to come back just down two, I believe. Um, and Jackson Ford took a hit up and got shoulder-charged by Nelson, as off of Solomona, right to the face, right to the area. But he got up, played the ball. So if he was to stay down, I really think it would have been a penalty. And Nelson probably sinbinned or sent off because it was a shoulder charge. And two tackles later, I'm pretty sure Jastavanga got hip dropped. Um, I haven't seen the tackle back, so I can't 100% confirm it. But he then walked off the field and he didn't stay down. So obviously there was no penalty with that. They didn't see it. They usually see it after. So they were they were my two problems with the whole refereeing situation. Obviously, there's a lot more to talk about, like the Dylan Walker thing. I think the okay, if you're going to do that, fair enough. Like, um, sin bin him. It is what it is. But we all know watching the game, like you're not you can't give him two to three weeks for that. That's Crazy. where I'm at at the moment. Not so much the referees because I don't know who's telling the referees if 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 it's the bunker giving him that advice because he didn't pick it up straight away, the referee. So it's obviously the bunker has looked at the replay. So, you know, there's a lot more. And I think the referees are the scapegoats for a lot of other people pulling strings, but I can't see how then they can sit there and say Dylan Walker's getting two to three weeks. That's what I'd be annoyed about. It's crazy. And you touched on the injuries there. They were pretty brutal. Left us with no one left on the interchange. And add to that, it was guys like Tohu, Jazz and Chance, who's been outstanding. And you'd have to think a couple of those tries, even just with Chance at the back, he always cleans stuff up so well for us. So have you ever been in a situation like that, bro, where you're down to zero on the interchange? And and how do you think the Warriors handled that? Because like you touched on, Warriors teams in the past, they probably would have rolled over, but these lads, they were literally out on their feet. Bunty could barely walk by the end of it. It seemed like just no matter what was thrown at them, they didn't want to give up. And exactly, mate. And oh, I personally i probably have been in situations i can't remember though because as a center and things like that you're expected to play 80 so you're not yeah. really worried about the interchange but you could see bunty tom ali like big minutes and mate to only that last try you know yeah take that away it's a two-point game like i mean they did so good to stay out there nobody on the bench like they're 30 minute players they they average probably about 30 tom ali maybe only 20 a game you know, and they were doing big, big minutes because of Tohu, because of Jazz, because of these players going down. So, look, man, it's, it's a huge effort. And like I said, 
Um, it's something to build on, and I think the depth this year is really, really good. The New South Wales Cubs dominating. Yeah. So I think the depth in the Warriors is only going to grow as the years come, but it's definitely here now, and I think we'll see it in the coming weeks when we face that harder schedule. Few standouts for me last night individually. I thought Adam Fanor Blake was unreal. Obviously, he had those Shakira hips for that try. Boy, the footwork of the kid. Outstanding stuff. Then we had Freddie Lussick. I think he got over 57 tackles. SJ controlled the game perfectly again. And then I thought Dallin was really good, especially on the attacking side. Maybe so not so much on the defensive side. But was there anyone else that kind of really stood out for you for the Warriors? Yeah, mate. And he's grown on me every single week. Jackson Ford, I mean, like I said it today, I, I, I spoke to someone today, I said he's my buy of the year. Like I, I remember playing against him in New South Wales Cup about four or five years ago and he made a break and just blitzed everyone. He was quick but wasn't quite as big as he is now and he's still not overly big. But I think speaking to Warriors fans, I don't think you'll find too many who would have had him in the 17 to start the year. Um. And he has been possibly one of, if not the best forward um, in the team so far. That line he runs just opens everything up and it just makes everything else move so smoothly. Gets through a ton of work. Um, look, man, and to think we've still got Mitch Barnett, who's still out, and players like that. Look, I, I think they're going to be in good stead. One of the key turning points for the game for me was the injection of Big Nelson off the bench. It's just the Warriors' luck, you know. He's out injured for so long, and then he comes into the game. He's hungry, makes a massive statement, runs of doom, the offloads. He was just doing it all. How crucial is he to the Melbourne Storm? Because over the past couple of weeks, we've seen the return of Munster and Hughes, and you think, geez, these two are the key. But then last night, for me, Nelson was the best player on the park. Oh, yeah, he was, mate. Like, he went out there, and that first one, the offload back, obviously didn't go his way, but he set his intention early. He was there to offload, create some second phase and run over people. And, wow. It looked like, well, it's come out today, I believe he's signed with the Storm, extended. Yeah. So it seems like now that all that noise about Rugby Australia and where's he going to go and all this stuff has been settled, and last night in his return match, he was, yeah. I, I believe the Storm's best. I don't think they. I don't think they come away with the win if Nelson doesn't inject himself after twenty minutes because that forward pack of the Warriors, like you said, Adam Fanua Blake really stamped his mark that first 20, 30 minutes before Nelson came on, and still did so when Nelson did come on. But Nelson, wow, he really put a stop to a lot of it. Short turnaround for this week's game, and you've played in Anzac games before, so you know what it's like to get that four or five day turnaround after a physical game. How hard is it to kind of get yourself back up, flush the result, because I'm sure the lads are still stinging, down a few troops, get up and go again in a massive game like the Roosters? Yeah, it's hard. Look, especially the Warriors, you're going to lose a couple of days straight away. You, you don't travel to a Wednesday, so that's a lost day. Then you might come in on the Thursday, but you don't really do anything. You know, the Thursday just be flushing, recovery, maybe yeah. a light walkthrough or team video. And then you have a, a a Friday off Saturday captain's run. So essentially, you might only really get that one captain's run before the Sunday. Whereas you're versing a Roosters team who are at home, probably into recovery while you're traveling, you know. So it's so hard on, on the worries, especially this Anzac day. I wouldn't give it up though, because I've already spoke to you. That's my favorite day, my favorite game of the season. Like I always pencil, I always love looking at it, knowing it's coming up on the calendar, because um, I just love the atmosphere and being amongst it at that stadium. But it is such a brutal turnaround. Um, but look, I, I know the fans are going to pack it out. I know you'll be there running the TAP, the TAB club rooms, I believe. Yeah. A um, couple of sherbets up there. Be nice. Uh, Absolutely. Mate, it'll be good it'll be rocking 
Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think Warriors fans will get out in force. Just, I couldn't help but feel like everyone was pretty proud of that performance last night. And and we know that the boys need a lift. So I'm sure Mount Smart will be packed for sure. There were three games I wanted to touch on looking ahead to this weekend. That Roosters game, of course, is one of them. So we may as well rip in from there. Obviously, no Jazz, no Tohu, no Chans. We know that. Interesting to see Tane Tuapiki named in the one for both the NRL side and the Cup side. So what do you think happens? there because I noticed Billy Vilea he's on a bench as well do we see Dallin play at the back Billy come into the centers Marcelo onto a wing or is that too much change for you would it be easier to just have a plug and play Chuck Young Tainan who did a good job on his debut a couple weeks back as well I I would love to see Tainto Piki get in and and have a run look you just mentioned his debut and I thought he was outstanding that game as well for a debut um didn't do too much wrong was solid you know, I I know there's a push for Dallin, and rightly so. He played good at fullback last night when he had to fill in. Um, he's a great player, like very strong ball carrier. Um, I just think that we've bought Taint or Picky for a reason. Webby's promoted him from a trainer trial into the squad for a reason, and I think this is that reason. Um, Chan's obviously out. I, I'd throw him straight in. Um, I would keep... Dallin running the ball back as hard as he can off the wing. I'd keep our centers where they are. I think Marcelo's doing a good job at the moment. Um, yeah, look, I I wouldn't change it too much. And I would say Volkman would come into the six if Dylan Walker does take that too much ban. So I, I'd love to see Taintor picky. But once again, Webby um, has he's been outstanding to start the year. Every it sort of seems like every call he's made has been is being gold so we'll just run with whatever Webby says yeah and Webby we trust and the return of Wade Egan is going to be massive for us especially with Tohu and you mentioned Dylan Walker some of those ball players that are kind of helping SJ out at the moment they won't be out there and for me Freddie was great but that ball playing ability of Wade just to control the ruck and really get us going in our attacking sets is huge so what have you made of his form so far and how big of an impact do you think his return will be um, it, it will be massive. So, and I think you're spot on about the the ball playing because he's going to have to do a lot of it. I think now if Dylan Walker's out, Volkman might just take a back seat. And the 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 backs, you know, um, they're real solid players. And it's not you look at the Rooster squad. You're going up against a Manu, a Soli'i, you know these these types of players. Tedesco, like they're superstars, you know. Our superstars, our pack at the moment. Um, and I think with Wade Egan running the show there, getting down, getting up, playing the ball fast, and Shawnee can come on the back of it. But look, when we speak about depth, I think that's where we are strong at, at the moment, our forward pack. You you listed all the players out, and we've still got Curran, Marata, Jackson Ford, Adam Fanor, Blake Bunty, and now you add Adam Egan back to do that ball playing like you mentioned. So... I think he's huge. I think he's had a great season so far and he's getting better every season and every game. So he will be big, massive plus for the Warriors. You mentioned a couple of young guns before and this could be the chance that we see them. Guys like Dimitrik Sufakula who have been ripping up for New South Wales Cup named it on that extended bench. The Roosters pack is massive and on paper it's absolutely stacked. So do you think they'll be looking to kind of take us on through the middle and where else do you see the main Roosters threats? You mentioned Tedesco, Suali, really all across the park on paper they mm. look amazing but as of late they haven't quite been firing. They haven't. Um Look, I thought they started to fire and found a bit of the groove on Anzac Day before that Victor Radley head clash that was sin-binned. Mm. Um, I, I think where they'll try and attack would, would be in the middle to start with, and I think Hargraves would try and stamp his authority early. Um, definitely at Mount Smart, you know, a couple of Kiwis coming home, tries to still rule, rule the roost over there. But look, I really liked what the Roosters did, and they sort of look like... They're, they're starting to work their spine out. And I think if they stay with Kiri organizing the plays and Manu just sweeping with Tedesco, I think they're going to be very hard to stop. And I I'll, I really think Joey Manu's going to be the one to shut down. I mentioned Hargraves. Look, the Kiwi's coming back home to try and steal one for the Roosters. So, yeah, I think they're going to try to take us on the forwards to start with, lay the platform, and then go wide. 
Hopefully Joey likes it so much back home. He signs for 2025. How good would that be? So you've touched on the Roosters threats there, and that was quite convincing. But obviously I'm going with the Warriors to win back at Mount Smart. She's going to be sold out. Place will be rocking. So I'm going Warriors 1-12. to What are you thinking in this game? Um, I actually like the Warriors with the start. Yeah. Um, I, I think at home, I thought the start on the weekend was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, 12 and a half, was it? That was wild. Yeah. So I shouldn't say ridiculous. Thank you, TAB. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. But I think, um, yeah, the the line plus six and a half, I think it's a close one. You know, we saw the Warriors fight to the death on Anzac Day. The Roosters letting the Dragons come back in. I think we're a much better side than the Dragons. So I think, yeah, it's. I'm just going to stick with the Warriors plus six and a half. No angry fans out there. I'll take that as a Warriors win, mate. You know me. You know me. The other game I wanted to touch on, Thursday night footy. Sharks taking on the Cowboys. For me, the Cowboys, they've been another side that I just can't work out. I had them in my top four kind of preseason, thought they were going to go great guns, and they've let me down a little. The Sharkies, on the other hand, they've been kind of as expected and really starting to hit their straps now. How do you see this game playing out? Because it's not easy to go to Shark Park and get the dub. And saying that, though, Cowboys looking for back-to-back wins the first time this year and valentine holmes and co they looked pretty deadly last weekend they did and the last time they played here was the semi-final last year they got um, the upset didn't they they did they did so but well, i don't think it's the same cowboys team to be honest and i know you you're saying the sharks is starting to find the groove i'm still a bit look i'm still a bit on the fence with the sharks yeah um you know the the, the home games they haven't looked too good They've only really smashed the Dragons. The Bulldogs game, the Bulldogs were missing half their squad. And it looked at times that the Sharks, you know, were going to implode and the Bulldogs were going to come back. So oh, I, I think the Sharks win in, in saying that, but it's only because I think the Cowboys have missed and, and dropped down from last year. So, I, you know, I think... Um, yeah, I'm going to go 1-12 to 12 Sharks. I, I just think that with Nico running the show, I think they're, they're going to be way too strong at home, even though I'm not sold on them. Game of the week for me, outside of the Warriors-Chucks game, of course, is that Friday night spectacle. I think it's going to be a doozy. The Rabbitohs taking on the Broncos. Unfortunately, the Broncos, they will be without Ezra Mam. And without Payne Haas, so two massive losses. Latrell and Cody in crazy form. And if Latrell puts on another performance like last weekend, geez, he's the best player in the game by a mile when he's red hot like that. So how do you see this one playing out? Obviously, the Broncos, top-ranked side in the competition at the moment, at home, at Suncorp. I think there'll be a lot of people liking the Bunnies' chances. Yeah, I'd be snapping up the Bunnies. Um, look, to me, you know, we're talking about teams who's looking good. And after last last night, I'd love the Warriors. The other two teams I love are South Sydney and Penrith. Penrith, to me, are looking better than they have in any of their premiership win winning seasons. But South Sydney this year, you can sort of tell when they're on and when Latrell's on. So when he catches that ball, if he runs back or he's in taking hit-ups, you know Sousa, you know Latrell's on, you know Sousa on. If he's passing off, you're like, oh, he might do one or two good things here. To me, I made a statement the other week. I don't know if it was to you or someone, and I said, this might sound outrageous, but he is like Greg Inglis with enhanced skills. So Greg Inglis had unbelievable skills, but this guy's got everything. Like he has – I just think that this guy could be the best player or one of the best players we've ever seen if he just does – like how he played against Penrith. If he just pulls that out, I know it's hard every week, yeah, You can't do it. But if he does that, I don't see how Souths don't go on and win a competition. So I think with the Brisbane outs, I think Souths win this and I'd be snapping up the $1.78, I believe it is at the moment. I'd be snapping up real fast because I think the closer we get to game time, it might drop down a bit. Hopefully Latrell can do that in the old sky blue in a month's time. That would be great <laughs> stuff. Awesome. Fingers crossed. And some big news coming out of the NRL. I think it was just confirmed actually tonight with the Bunnies. Of course, Jack Wyden, he has signed. So how exciting is that for the Bunnies next year? Obviously, they've already got an unreal back line, but adding a guy like Jack into the centres, surely if they don't go all the way this year, next year, they'll have to be one of those front-running teams. 
what's is it the roosters with the sombrero or did they pass it off to oh, i don't know i mean geez they've got a lot yeah they do old ricky stewart will be fuming as well oh man ricky won't be happy with that i i actually held hope that white would be coming over to the warriors mm. i heard some things i thought oh he, you know he's a chance because i heard a couple of here that you know they might go after him mm. not to be though but um, look, I, I find it strange in the sense that he's obviously going there to play centers. He's not playing nah. six. He's not playing half. So sort of, I I haven't seen the money yet. Is he going to get paid in halfbacks money, but playing the centers like that? That'll be a strange one. Well, there's know. rumors it's 800 grand, but you never quite know. But yeah, they're saying 800 a season. So. Yeah, look, man, look, they're going to be formidable next year as much as they are this year. Um, won't, yeah, look, in the centres, he's going to have to wait for the ball off Cody, but he's going to be good wherever he goes. Um, South Sydney are lucky to get him, to be honest, um, and I think they're going to be good next year. But it does what, – what's going to happen with the Raiders the rest of the year? That's the thing for me. Like, uh, it might hurt them, might hurt the playing group. I don't know. That's a wait and see for me. I'm sure. And he actually wasn't the biggest signing over the past seven days because, of course, Warriors fans rejoice. The chosen one, RTS, he's coming back to Mount Smart. So how big of this was a deal for the club for next year, bro? And you're actually good friends with Roger, mate. I'll never forget those iconic scenes. I think we were in Shy Guy, and I just remember looking over to the corner, and those that are familiar will know there's the old Moe vending machine, and I look across, and there's Blakey Ashford just doing a couple goosies. And I was thinking, what's this kid up to? And then I see you talking to Roger, showing him everything he knows. So how big of a signing is this? And kind of what was your reaction when you found out? Um, you're right, mate. I was showing him the gooseies, telling yeah. him what to do when he does finally come back. Um, well, I was I was as shocked as anyone. I saw him down here the the week before. Um, he came down with his family. Obviously, he had the week off from injury. And we caught up. And, yeah, he kept it pretty quiet. He was looking forward to um, – the All Blacks at the end of the year, I believe yeah. the World Cup. But for the Warriors fans, this is huge. This is massive. Um, I already spoke about how good the recruitment drive is this year. And then you go ahead and get uh, RTS, who's been one of our best over the last, you know, or forever really. Yeah, Loves the club, has unfinished business. So you know he's not coming back for a paycheck. That's not who he is. You know, a lot of old people would come back for a paycheck, but not him. He's here to win a premiership. And I know that for a fact, um, there's some unfinished business there. And I think wherever he slots in, I, I'm tipping it'll be in the centers. Yeah. Um, and I think he's going to be outstanding wherever he goes. So look, I know it's going to be hard to wipe the smile off your face. Um, if they don't win the title this year, Surly, hey, they'll be um, certainly favorites for it next year. I tell you what, I was just coming back, you know, coming back down off the news and now you've got me right back up. So that is great stuff. Very good to hear. And then finally, it's been proposed that NRL, they want to launch next year in Vegas, the opening two games. And when I first saw the headlines, I actually thought it was a G up, a bit of a piss take. I was like, surely you don't send a bunch of footy lads over <laughs> on a team trip to Vegas. So firstly, do you like the idea, mate? And how hard will you be working to get yourself on that plane over to Las Vegas for round one, 2024? Mate, I love the idea. I'll skip the I'll skip the number two first. I'll be I'll be I can't even talk this how excited <laughs> I am. I'll be working very hard and riding your coattails. <laughs> just hey, I'm hiding in your suitcase because you'll be over there. I'll be like, I'm coming with. Mate, we're mate. the duo. We're the duo. We'll sell it. Package <laughs> yeah. deal. Oh, mate, it's it's going to be epic if it if it goes through. I know Souths would be a team. Obviously, Russell Crowe, the owner. Yeah. Souths have played in, uh, I think, Florida before in, in America. So they'd definitely be one team. Um, I've, I've seen that Manly and the Storm uh, might be the two others. So... I'm hoping that, you know, the Warriors sneak, you know, I'm not sure if they'll take them, but they, I think they're going to look for the rivalry games. But look, I, I, I love the idea. I think the more we grow the game, it's just going to get bigger and better. And I know the Americans, um, they have a competition over there, you know. Um, I, I just think taking it to Vegas, the people won't know what's hit them. 
And it's going to be so good for the players like to play at um, Las Vegas Raiders. I think they, if they play yeah. there, Las Vegas Raiders, that, that stadium, I don't think they might not sell it out, but just even to be a player and play at that venue would be awesome. A dream of mine as I, as you and I both, you know, tragic of NFL as well. So I, I, I love the idea for Landy's. Oh mate. He's so good for the game, isn't he? <laughs> what a bloke. What a bloke. An absolute legend. And then finally, I asked another great of the game, Maddie Johns, today. So I'll follow it up with another great Blake Ashford. And I've got to ask, you're the, you're selecting the New South Wales side for round one. You're going Jerome Luai. You're going Nico Hines in the six jersey. And then he suggested going Hines at six, Cody Walker at 14. What do you think of that? I don't mind that at all. Um Look, I, I think Queensland ruined Origin when they won it because they kept picking the same players. They didn't pick the best players. Yeah, they're just so boring. It sort of, they put it, boring. Yeah, so it just sort of put it into New South Wales that you sort of just always pick the, you know, you, you be loyal if you win it. So, look, I, I never liked that as a player just because, it, you know, you never had a chance to make it. Not that I was ever good enough to get in the side, but, you know, There'd be other players who I thought could have been in that didn't get a chance. I think Nico's done enough last year and this year to be in that number six jersey. I'd be having Nathan Cleary and Nico Hines. I think Nico can play with any player in the league, and I think they'll match well. Um, his defense, the the his touches in the game. Look, I, I think he'll. I th- I would put him at six, and I don't mind. Cody Walker at 14, just, I don't know, the top of my head, I don't mind it because he's coming on late in the game, yeah. trying to change it a bit. But I have a think there might be one or two other players I might just pick ahead. But look, Matty Johns, yeah, trust Matty at the moment. But I'd definitely have Nico at six, mate. What about yeah. yourself? Oh, I just think all this chat from Nico about how much he hates Queensland, like that's got him, that's got him in the team alone, let alone beautiful hair and a heck of a footballer. So I, I think he ticks every box and I want to see him play at that origin level. He's been ripping up NRL, like you said, last year, this year. So you got to give him a chance. Maybe if we won last year, you stick with Luai, but uh, I think Nico's Nico and Nathan, clearly the best halves in the comp. So let's see what it looks like. All right, that's it. Cheers for jumping on, mate. Really appreciate your chats. Always enjoy our yarns and uh, hopefully you enjoy a Warriors 13 plus win on Sunday. Maybe even a win for your Tigers, a big boil over upset against the Penrith Panthers who apparently were going to rest six or seven blokes, but now they've decided to roll out the big guns. So could that be a tough day at the office, but in Buller we trust. I hear that's the new saying going around at in Tiger Buller. Town. In Buller, we trust. Hey, it's all going to turn, mate. Like I, I said, he said, I want to be here for the tough times because it's going to be even sweeter when we win. Comp just around the corner. Beautiful. Legend. <laughs> Cheers, mate. All good, brother. Super Rugby, and of course, there's plenty going on. Last weekend, she was another half round due to those buys. This weekend, though, we get the full treatment, the creme de la creme, and there's some great matchups on offer too. But I thought we'd kick her off with the big news that's going on in the rugby world at the moment, and that is, of course, Razor Ray. He has announced his coaching staff for 2024, and it's fair to say he's assembled the Avengers of New Zealand coaching. First up, of course, is current assistant coach Jason Ryan. He will stay at the helm. Then we've got Leon McDonald, Jason Holland, and Scott Hansen. And shit, does that have me excited as a New Zealand rugby fan? Of course, it means that many super rugby teams are going to be up shit creek and looking for a coach. We heard the other week from Jimmy Marshall down in Crusaders camp that Scotty Hansen, he runs most of the footy content. So the Cruisers, they're going to be looking to replace both Scots and maybe the old mate gets the promotion. Although I'd have to say Tamati Allison certainly deserves it as well. For the Canes, the Swirls, they'll lose Holland. But no doubt plenty of strong candidates will be putting their hand up for that gig. Jamie Joseph is a name that won't go away. And I'd love to see that. And then for my team, the mighty Auckland Blues, they will not lose. But unfortunately, we do lose on this occasion. 
Uncle Leon, the man that has brought the best out of this footy team over the past few years, and he's done a bit of a full transformation and also allowed us to attract some key names like Bodie Barrett and co to help bring the best out of us on the park. Unfortunately, he'll be stepping up to higher honours, and I'm excited to see him link back up with Razor. I think they did some New Zealand under-20 stuff together, and boy, did it look good. So we're going to be on the market as well. First name that pops up into mind, Joey Schmidt. Hopefully, he puts his hand up and says I want the gig there was rumours he was going to be a late applicant for that All Blacks job he never quite did it obviously didn't have the desire to be at the helm of our national sporting side but hopefully the Blues bit of a lesser gig in terms of your commitment with family time man hours etc we know that's why he left Ireland so hopefully the local gig appeals to old Schmitty if not you'd have to think maybe the North Harbour coaches who are currently assistants they will be putting their hands up and Tommy Cox Coventry, Dan Hill and Gahu and co. There's also the old Tana Umanga, Carlos Spencer. They're sniffing around, involved in some capacity at the moment. And no doubt they would love an opportunity. But for me, first cab off the rank would have to be Joey Schmidt. And we wouldn't lose too much. Going from Leon to Schmidty, in my humble opinion. But overall, pleased to have that out of the way. We finally know the coaching setup for next year. And we can now go back to focusing on the present. Hopefully, those super coaches coaches will be taking over a team that's just won a World Cup. There'll be a lot of new faces in the mix. Of course, we already know there's a wealth of experience jetting off to earn the lucrative yen post the World Cup victory. But fingers crossed they inherit the side in good state and they can kick on from there. Excited to see what they do with the team. There's some great rugby minds there. So the future certainly looks bright for New Zealand rugby. But on to Super Rugby. And last weekend, as mentioned, she was another shortened round. Buys galore. But that is now over on the Friday night with the Chiefs hosting the Fiji and draw down there in the Tron and she was an easy dub in the end for the Mana men 50 points to 17 highlight for me. Brenny Gatlin just giving the old draw flanker the big boomfer. She was a bit of a stitch up from old mate Sean Shooter Stevenson. Threw him the hospital pass of doom. But luckily old Gats, he showed he can mix it with the best of them. Gave them the sunny bill of doom. Sat him on his ass. And I tell you what, maybe number eight, his preferred position. He's struggling to get the start with old D-Mac ripping it up at 10 at the moment. So maybe he needs to move into the pack with some hissing ball carries like that. You love to see it as a fellow first Five. I thought he was going to get flattened. So well done to you, Gatlin. Then following that game, Crusaders went over to Melbourne, came away with the dub, and in the end they did it fairly convincingly on the scoreboard. 43 points to 27, but gee, she was squeaky bum time there for all Cruisers fans. Down 24-12 at halftime to the Rebels. It took a last 20-minute flurry for the Cruisers to really come over the top of them, scoring three tries in that period to ensure they got the bonus point victory. It certainly wasn't pretty, but a win's a win. They banked the five points. And they move on. Super Saturday, just the double header. First one went to plan. Blues getting the dub comfortably at the Fortress Eden Park. 55 points to 21. And finally back to firing on all cylinders. Rico Ioani, Caleb Clark, they were menacing as was Mark Talia. Hoskins Satutu also had a solid game in the pack. But it was the impact of Zahn Sullivan who came on for Stephen Perifeta earlier than expected. But boy did he light them up. Man of the match performance. I think he bragged a double meaty as well. And shit, is he an exciting young talent that maybe could wear a black jersey in the years to come. He certainly has all the assets to do so. A huge win for the Blues. Righting some wrongs coming out of that by round firing. I said they needed to do that to really establish their championship credentials. They certainly did that on Saturday night. Great to see. The Landers though, on the other hand, shit panic stations for them. I said it was going to be tough to go over to Perth and get the doubles. Surprised they were favourites at the TAB last week and I said on the punting podcast to get on the force on the line because I thought the Landers would win but it would be tight. Unfortunately that wasn't the case. The home side the lads from Perth in that sweltering Perth heat get the dub 30 points to 17. Bloody disappointing for Highlanders fans and again they just failed to really fire a shot and you got to think that if they are to be competitive in the years to come they're losing Aaron Smith they're losing Shannon Frizzell two of their best players 
I gotta start chucking the checkbook at some of these players from other franchises and try to attract some star talent. Maybe that old combo, Jamie Joe, Tony Brown, bring them back. Those were those peak Landers days, but it's tough times for the boys from Dunners. Certainly an L they wouldn't have been expecting to cop. Still sitting in playoff position, just in seventh, one point ahead of the force. But if the draw can rack up some wins over the coming weeks, they could well find themselves sitting outside of the eight and the possibility of missing out on playing in those quarterfinals. If they don't play finals footy, that'll be a huge disappointment. And you'd have to think old mate Clark's gig may well be up for grabs. Fingers crossed that's not the case though. Love when the Highlanders are going well and hopefully they can turn it around this weekend, albeit up against the Tars. They're going to need to lift though and that leads us through to this weekend's clashes mentioned before there's some barnstormers two in particular that really tickle my fancy one of them's the first game of the round hurricanes hosting the brumbies at home sky sport stadium and of course you can watch it on sky sport one 705 pm kickoff and good to see the canes they've rolled out a strong 15 and rightly so the brumbies they're no joke just the one change from the side that trotted out before the by a strong backline, Morby, Savia, Rayasi on the wings, Peter Umanga, Jensen, Geordie Barrett in the midfield, Aidan Morgan, the poor man's Justin Bieber, and Cami Roygaard in the nine. A hiss and lose forward trio, Karifi, Savia, and Flanders. The locks, they're big and Blackwell and Walker, Leoeri. And then you got Lomax and Numia in the front row, anchored by the human wrecking ball in a Suffolk Armour. So a strong swirl side name, stacked with talent and the ability to score plenty of points. And we all know it's tough to go down to Wally and get the dub. They would have been disappointed in their performance, especially in that second half, last up before the bye against the Chiefs. So expecting them to come out firing on all cylinders and look to get that one dog in Whanganui's start. But the Brumbies, of course, currently sitting in second on the ladder. Just the one loss so far this season, and that was when they sent their B team over to take on the Crusaders down in Christchurch. You could argue their top side, it's undefeated, and they have rolled out that top side for this game. Seven changes to the side that got the dub against the Drua. Also before the bye, Nick White, he returns to start alongside Noah Lorcio in the halves. That's their best night. 19 combination, a strong kicking game on them. So Morby and Co will have to be switched on at the back. Northern man, Tamati Tua, of course, used to play for the Mighty Blues. He gets to lace them up in the midfield. And arguably, most importantly, Rob Valentini. He is in that loose forward trio alongside Kale and Scott. And we all know how strong Kale is. Considered a superfood, all the rage. One of the great vegetables, bloody expensive though so expecting this game to be incredibly tight I will be backing the Canes at home to get the job done this would be a massive win for the rest of their season they're currently sitting in fourth but the dub here would see them overtake the Brumbies and allow them to really launch post their buy round as well they'll have bigger hopes now of sending coach Jason Holland off a winner and that starts tomorrow night with a dub at home up against the boys from Canberra then following that Tars taking on the Landers over in Sydney. Mentioned the Landers will need to bounce back. The Tars, there'll be no easy beat. And of course, they got pumped by the Blues last week, but they get six lads into their side and their big names too. Dave Pereke and Michael Hooper being the main standouts in the pack. And then in the back line, they get back for Kitty and also Big Mark. Not going to attempt his last name, but shit is he a weapon with Jorgensen as well. The young gun and the bolter into the Wallabies side in the 15 jersey so threats galore for the Tarzan unfortunately I think they're going to be too strong for the Landers at home and get the job done for the Spate Soldiers you got your usual suspects in there your Ethan DeGroots your Shannon Frizzell Aaron Smith interesting to see Sammy Gilbert getting the nod in the 12 jersey further showing his utility and much like Zahn Sullivan he's one to keep an eye on for the future Scotty Gregory Jonah Lowe Garden Bashup they round out the back three, but for me, if you can't beat the force at home, you're going to really struggle against this Waratahs side that's almost back to full strength. Tars 1-12, B 
be a good game to watch though. 9.35 kickoff to round out your Friday night. Super Saturday and she's a bit of a quaddy. Four games of Super Rugby which you love to see. Kicks off at 2.05pm. Set the Arvo footy. There truly is nothing better and for me this is the way forward for this competition. It's attractive to families to get along to the game and it's also great for those viewing at home. Park up at the pub, rip into some Waitakere daiquiris and enjoy some afternoon code. Fiji and Drua playing host to our team the Blues and shit is this a banana skin game over in Latoka in Fiji where the drawer are their strongest sides not out at time of naming but I'm expecting coach Leon McDonald to not be taking this one lightly he's got some great examples of how this game can horribly go wrong you just got to look back to the Crusaders a couple weeks ago and the Melbourne Rebels to show two from two at home for the drawer they are not to be messed with fingers crossed he's not all black rest week and we see a lot of bodies back out onto the park. I'd also love to see Dalton Papali'i come back into the mix as well. Uh, inspirational skipper, old Kelly Dalton. So hopefully he can lace them up and we can be the first team to beat the drawer. No offence to the Moana, we take them on next week. So that would be the week to rest some rigs and tick a few boxes with the powers that be. Overall, I think this is going to be an incredibly tight game though, especially given the location. They grow an extra arm and a leg over there. The Fijian faithful They'll be fizzing to see the Blues lads back. She's culture weak as well, so it's only fitting that the game is over in the islands. The Blues with plenty to play for, currently sitting outside the top four, but only by a bee's dick. One point behind the Canes in fourth, and four points behind the Brumbies in second. So she's tied at the top. The Chiefs with a nice little buffer on all of those teams, but a big win here for the Blues. Bank it. Give the drawer their first loss on home soil and move on. That would allow the momentum to continue to build and we can continue our ascension towards finals footy after that Moana Pacifica taking on the Melbourne Rebels at Mount Smart Stadium Boy, is she a busy weekend at the home of Rugby League. You got your footy on your Saturday, the Wars on the Sunday. Groundsmen are going to be working overtime, but hopefully this is the week the Moana can get the dub. Boy, has she been tough watching. 0-8, the trip to Samoa, she wasn't fruitful. And in saying that, the Rebels, they showed last week against the Crusaders. They're a bloody good side. They can go with the top teams for large periods, but just can't put together the full 80 so they'll be looking to get the dub as well. They've only had two so far this season. She's a battle at the bottom of the table. And I'm really hoping, fingers and everything crossed, Moana can get the dub. Then we roll into the feature game this weekend. And shit, is she going to be all go for the full 80 in this clash. Chiefs taking on the Crusaders. Again, teams not named, which makes it harder to talk about. But fingers crossed, the Crusaders can welcome back a few bodies and inch their way closer back to their strongest starting side there was Instagram images earlier in the week which really got me fizzed of Will Jordan rig wrapped in Crusaders kid it looked like he'd got through some full training sessions and of course Jimmy Marshall hinted a couple weeks ago that his return was closer than many think so hopefully this is the week Will can shake off those migraines and get himself back onto the paddock boy would he be a welcome boost for the lads from Christchurch the Chiefs Eight and eight, still the only unbeaten side in the competition, looking hot to trot off the back of impressive wins, and they just look to be so full of confidence, both on and off the field. Hometown advantage is going to be massive for them as well, of course. Week one, these two sides played each other down in Christchurch. Chiefs went down there and really made a statement, shaking up the competition early doors with a 31 points to 10 victory. I expect this one to be a whole lot closer. The Crusaders although they've been patchy they are starting to turn it back on and they're a better side than they were at that stage of the comp and saying that though I think the Chiefs at home in front of a packed stadium the Mulu faithful just giving it to those South Island lads I think they're going to be too strong 1 to 12 expect it to be incredibly close I in fact think you could even go down that 1-7 to seven margin. But for me, their forward pack so solid. Ball carriers galore. And your Taukiahos, your Peter Gusso, your Coolers and Co. Then you got your work rates, your grunters. The lads that'll just go hammer and tongs for the full 80. And old Guzzler, Sammy Kane and Co. Then out wide, 
Razzle to burn Weber, D-Mac to run the cutter and then Cortez Ratama off the bench to bring them home with a windy sail. Then out wide, Moni Narawa, Shooter Stevenson, Atene Nanai Satoru, some of the best feed in the competition. They could be on Dancing with the Stars and I'm expecting all that razzle-dazzle to be on full display come Saturday night. So this is a bums on seats clash. I know many have been saying they haven't been watching a lot of super rugby footy this year. For me, this is one that people will need to tune into and I think you'll see a great response from the public as well. We love our New Zealand derby games. So those other ones where we take on the Aussies where the competition loses a bit of an appeal but it doesn't get much bigger than this. So strap in. Should be a hissing game of running rugby union so another huge round of super rugby round 10 and this is where things really start to heat up only five rounds left in total including this weekend so you could say the business end she's starting to kick off now and the ladder is really starting to fall into place as well she's tight so teams need to start banking these dubs get up the mighty blues and up the cheese would love to see them pull off the dub against the cruisers on to your weekly wrap now and before we get into the main topics of conversation just a quick shout out to the Touch Blacks who of course went over to Australia took on the Aussies in the Trans-Tasman series and while they didn't come away with any series dubs boy did they push them right to the wire and play some great run and touch footy and shout out to the men's side in particular only lost game two by one then came back bet the Aussies in the final game a huge confidence boost for them ahead of the World Cup next year so shout out to the touch blacks bloody good watching as well some of the footwork on those blokes and lasses certainly second to none but onto the NBA playoffs and shit has she been all go storylines galore so let's rip into them there's two sides that have already qualified for your conference semi-finals at time of recording there's some stack games on today we'll touch on them soon but of course the Nuggets and Suns they have both got through their first round matchups fairly easily both of them winning their series in five games for the Nuggets they were way too strong for the T-Wolves and to be fair I predicted a sweep in this one so well done to the Wolves for getting the dub then we had the Suns taking on the Clippers a series that was really hampered for me in terms of excitement by the injuries to Paul George pre-series and then Kawhi Leonard during the series and lots has been made of Kawhi and his injury some American critics being particularly harsh saying he should retire and that the Clips should move on only Kawhi can do that he's earned the right to make that call himself and shit when he's out there on the basketball court he truly is one of the game's elite players it's just a horrible run of luck for the bloke he certainly low managers throughout the season but unfortunately he was unable to lace up consecutively and went down to a knee meniscus injury for me the Clippers still did bloody well to make these games tight and while they lost the series 4-1 they certainly pushed Phoenix in every game went down by margins of 6, 12 and 5 points in games 3, 4 and 5 Russell Westbrook he was exceptional perhaps showing that he is a better player offensively than a lot of people think but in the end the Suns that four-headed monster too strong and they march on that Nuggets Suns son is going to be a bloody entertaining watch of course the Nuggets they were the best team in the west throughout the whole year the Suns they're the ones many people are tipping to put it all together and make a massive run and go through to the western conference finals all go Joker, Murray, Porter Jr., Gordon and Co. taking on Paul, Durant, Booker and Aiton. Strap in. I can see this one going to seven with home court advantage being massive for both sides. It's going to be some top shelf basketball and a heck of a series, which I can't wait for. And your other series in the West, of course, we have the Lakers up 3-1 against the Grizzlies. Game five going down today in Memphis, live on ESPN as well. So if you're listening to this before that game starts, make sure you tune in should be a heck of a game the last game she went right down to the wire into OT and it was cometh the hour cometh the goat LeBron James really stepping up to guide his side home to a massive win in LA now it goes back to Memphis with Jamarant and co who's been playing some bloody great basketball as well they will be confident of getting the dub at home Desmond Bain he's the key swing player for me if he's locked in then Memphis will be hard to beat I'm hoping the Lakers can still get it done though especially once this series flips back to LA they just need one more and I think they'll get that 
back at the crypto.com arena to advance on through. Other West Series fourth and final is of course the Warriors taking on the Kings again. This goes down this afternoon, 2 p.m. on ESPN. This one's locked in at two all and the games go back to Sacramento for me. If you got home court, you're winning in this. Unfortunately, De'Aaron Fox, he has picked up that injury, but all indications suggest that he will play. Draymond and co, all back for the Warriors and geez, did they look good with him coming off the Rimu in the last game I've been really impressed with Kevon Looney and the work he's been doing holding it down in the paint fingers crossed the Kings can get the dub like the beam baby I'm all in on them to win this series would just be one of the great fairy tale stories in basketball and I'd love to see Foxy Sabonis and co advance on to the next round plus I'd really like the Lakers chances in that one Golden State of course full of championship pedigree though no easy beats again think this one might go to seven a bloody great watch and speaking of great watches we jump over to the east where it has been a bit chaotic for me with Miami taking on the Bucks and holding a 3-1 lead which I never would have predicted I was thinking brooms of course the injury to Giannis really threw a spanner and that works but he was back for the last game in game four and still Miami were too good off the back of a handsome performance iconic stuff from Jimmy Buckets Butler 56 points and 9 boards 19 from 28 shooting 3 from 8 from the 3 that bloke hardly ever shoots from beyond the arc as well so that is impressive stuff Miami for me they were a team that struggled all year so the fact they've really hit their straps now and are playing unreal is something I definitely didn't see coming playoff Butler that is a real thing the bloke is an absolute menace on the game's biggest stage of course mentioned Yarn came back he dropped 26 Brooke Lopez was the standout for the Bucks with 36 for me Middleton needs to contribute more just the 14 points Holiday also had 14 Bobby Portis with only five he was a potential six man of the year candidate so that is a tough shift from old Bobby P I'm still liking Milwaukee's chances of course the series goes back there now but all it takes is one big dub for the heat Saturday they're back at home no doubt there'll finally be some fans in those arenas in Miami shit does their home crowd not really get around them but they can sniff a victory now so I'm sure the bandwagoners will get there and if the heat can pull this off that will be one of the great upsets. Then we also have the Cavs taking on the Knicks. And this is actually going down at time of recording with the Cavs currently under the pump at home. New York are really turning it on. Jalen Brunson, what an acquisition he was. Been lights out in this series. And it's fair to say Julius Randle, he has hardly been to his usual standard. They've had massive contributions though from guys like RJ Barrett and Josh Hart as well. So it's excitement galore in New York. Boy, do their fans love it too. Packing out Madison Square Garden and the scenes on the streets after they get wins. She makes for great watching on social media. It looks like they're going to go all the way and beat the Cavs and well done to them. I was rooting for Cleveland in this series, but congrats to the Knicks. Their fan base certainly enjoys some success and I'll be interested to see how they track in the next few series moving forward. And then also, while we're doing shout-outs, shout-outs to the Atlanta Hawks, another side that I thought would get swept Boy, have they come to play against the Boston Celtics. Tomorrow's game, it's back in Atlanta. The Ticks lead the series three games to two. We saw a massive buzzer beater winner from Trey Young in the last game. And it just goes to show there was no DeJounte Murray in that game. Perhaps Trey, he's a bit better flying solo as that star guard when he doesn't have to share the ball around. But that was a huge dub for them. I've still got Celtics as my favorite to come out of the East, particularly if the Bucks drop out. I think they'll get the job done, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see the Hawks force a game seven, pick up the dub in Atlanta, and then lose on the road, unfortunately. Just a hurdle too far. So all go in the world of the NBA. Things will become a lot clearer at the end of this weekend. Some great matchups, some great game sixes about to go down. Fingers crossed the Lake Show can get it done. And we get to see more scenes like the other day. LeBron dominating and just reminding people, even in year 20, even at his ripe old age, he is still 
the best player in the game and long live the GOAT. Then jumping over to the other big sporting event that's going down tonight, Fight for Life. What an event this is. Always love tuning in and watching some of these great biffs and it makes it even better. She's rugby versus league tonight and also some pro boxing fights thrown in the mix as well. Peach Boxing, they're well represented with that main event. The first time a female fight has been the main event of the Fight for Life with Miyamoto taking on Tanya Walters. I think Motu's going to her up actually had the pleasure of talking to her a couple weeks ago in the TAB lounge. She's a weapon, bloody nice lady, but you just get the impression she's fierce when she straps up the gloves and she certainly didn't mince her words when I asked her what her tactics would be. She's going in there for the knockout. She's not there to mess around, so it could be a rough night for Tanya Walters and hopefully she packed her mouth guard. Your other pro fights, Andre Mihailovic is taking on Edison Soltar and the old Sultana in a middleweight fight. Watched Andre go about his work before. He's extremely impressive. Still just a young bloke, but he's got massive reps on him. I'll be backing him to get the dub and continue Peach's winning streak. And then also we have Jerome Pampalone taking on Mossy Ormatangai in a light heavyweight fight. Jerome, another one who's incredibly impressive to watch. He's light on his feet. He punches hard. And when he gets here, you'll certainly know about it. I'll be backing him and his cornrows to get the dub also. And make it three from three the clean sweep for the boxing gym out of West Auckland. In terms of your celebrity, rugby versus league fights is a great card here too. I was actually talking to Monty Beatham about it today. He's the one that put these fights together and he's excited to see how they play out. First up, slamming Sammy. Sammy Tui Tupo taking on Roy Asatasi in a heavyweight clash. This is going to be exciting for me. Haven't seen old slamming Sam go about his work in a long time. Boy, do I have fond memories of just watching him lay blokes out. One of the great folders, Kane. Evans take note if he hit you you stayed down for a long time what a player he was taking on Roy Asatazi I think will be a fair bit bigger certainly in terms of height anyway both well built full of power and elite athletes. So I think this is going to come down to fitness. Whoever can go the distance will win this one. I also wouldn't be surprised if there's a knockout though. Mentioned both powerful athletes packing a heck of a punch on them. If one of them connects clean to the dome, she could be good night. This one's too close for me to call. I'm going to sit on the fence. Do love me a bit of slamming Sam though. Then in your second fight, we have DJ Forbes taking on Sione Farmawina in a heavyweight clash as well. I mentioned before I had the pleasure of interviewing DJ and boy does he have a rig on him. Even just when we shook hands, he had the old forearm veins of doom and that's how you can tell someone is shredded within an inch of their life. He's an impressive specimen. He's fit as as well. So I think he'll get the job done. Of course, Sione Farmawina, one of the great warriors so that pulls on my heartstrings. He's also been featuring on that TV show, Match Fit. Have it on good impression. He's pretty nervous about this one, though. But maybe the old big arena, the big stage, gets the better of him. And I'll be back in DJ at the Tea and Biscuits with my hard-earned money. And then the final fight in your rugby versus league. And this is going to be a bloody good watch. Bums on seat stuff, I would go as far as saying. And that's Justin Hodges taking on Liam Messam in a heavyweight clash. And again, broken record, spoke to Hodges yesterday. Yes, early, we get it. He was in at George FM. Good bloke, huge human. Thought he was a basketball player when he first walked in the building. Incredibly tall and shit is he full of confidence. He's giving Liam Messam no chance. Said he's going to come in, throw that right and knock his block off. He's not here to muck around. Hasn't watched any of Messam's fights just going to go in and do the damn thing. Then on the other side, you got Liam Messam, 5-0, undefeated in the ring. He's looking to take it serious, loves the art of boxing and wants to be the New Zealand champ. So two contrasting approaches, which I think is going to make for an, an entertaining biff. You're going to have Hodges, who's just going to come forward all day as soon as the bell rings and look to catch Liam with a big shot. Then you got Messam, Former mana man, so he's tough as shit and he won't roll over to anyone but perhaps he's going to look to be a bit more lighter on his feet Bit of a student of the game, the art of boxing, a real purist, and go about his work that way. I actually think Hodges might clip him, unfortunately, and get the job done. I'll be rooting for Messam. Of course, Hodges, a Queenslander, not a fan of that. But I do think the Aussie might just get the better. It's going to be a bloody interesting fight either way. And of course, you can book the full card, all six fights, 
on Sky Sport now for $39.95. Of course, Dean Lonergan, he runs a great cutter, so it'll be an entertaining watch in and outside of the ring. We also have some proceeds going to charity, so it is for a great cause. She kicks off at 6.45 p.m. with the first fight of the night, Slamming Sam against Roy Asatazi. Really excited to rip into this one. You truly never know with these amateur-style celebrity fights who is going to get the dub, which makes for a great watch and a good night on the couch. I'll be booking it for sure. Make sure you get yourself in the mixer. And then the final talking point for your weekly wrap this weekend is the Formula One, which goes down in Azerbaijan. And again, this is available to watch on Sky Sport now, so all you petrol heads can get your fix of F1 action. The usual suspects in the mixer, and again, it'll be the field up against Red Bull. They'll be gunning for Max and Co and trying to make sure they don't get vital points as they look to defend their contender series championship. They're currently sitting atop of the podium on 123 points. Verstappen and Perez doing a heck of a job. In second, we have Aston Martin, which is interesting with Alonso and Stroll. In third, right on their tail though, George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. And in fourth, disappointing Ferrari with the Leclerc and signs. There's a big gap between first and second. She's double the points, so the field certainly needs to show up. We can't have Red Bull winning this one. In saying that, though, they will be clear favourites, so tune in. You can watch the practice, the qualifying, and the big race, which kick off from tomorrow. So it's going to be a heck of a three days of Formula One racing action. Right, that's us for another episode of Surly Talk Sports. No Q&A today. Forgot to chuck up the old question box and all that was going on, but there's plenty of content for you to consume this week. Plus, we've got the punting show going on tomorrow. So hopefully that'll scratch your full sporting itch and we'll definitely bring back the old Q&A for next week's episode. Shout out as always to the legends at Sky Sport now for supporting this podcast. Again, use the code surly 10 on the app, download it, get yourself a 10% discount, the annual pass, that'll make her less than a dollar a day, you'll never miss a moment of all the best sporting action, NBA, NRL, Super Rugby, Formula One, your fight for life, everything worth watching in the world of sport, it's all on there, so get yourself in the mixer, support those that support me, really appreciate them, and up the mighty sky sport now get up the warriors get up the blues get up the chiefs against the crusaders that would be great scenes enjoy the fight for life tonight should be an absolute barnstormer and i'll catch you back here tomorrow to talk some punting and hopefully tip you out some winners at the tab go well how good's a thursday big fizz